0: The Atlanta Braves offense comes up clutch in a comeback win over the Mets. Let's throw it again on this episode of Locked On Braves. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and you can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Always enjoy hearing from you. you're new on youtube hit that subscribe button if you're watching there do me a favor hit that thumbs up button to help support the show you guys have given me a ton of support lately yesterday's episode absolutely went off a lot of great comments and great discussion much better discussion than what i had on twitter so i really appreciate you for that and thanks so much for making lockdown braves your first listen up each and every day. Big shout out to some of my everydayers from last episode: Nathan Duffy, Craig Rogers, and Joey S. If you were an everydayer, let me know down in the comment section below on YouTube or let me know on Twitter. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter promo code at locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about that comeback win over the New York Mets from Tuesday night, a really exciting uh, game to watch. Obviously, really fun win for the Braves anytime that you take down your division rivals. So really looking forward to that discussion, Bryce Elder, and then that big sixth inning as well. And then we're going to jump into our stat of the day Wednesday. We're going to talk about two out runs, something the Braves really excelled at last year but haven't so far this season. But I'll tell you why that's going to change pretty soon. So we'll talk about that later in the episode and then set you up for game two of the Braves and Mets. But let's start talking about uh, Tuesday night's game. Big win for the Atlanta Braves. want to start out on the mound with Bryce Elder because a lot of people may look at the line for Bryce Elder, see that he gave up four runs over six innings and think it was just an okay start. But if you watch the game, I got to think your takeaway is similar to mine that this was one of the more dominant outings i think we've seen from bryce selder all season long yet a season high eight strikeouts for a lineup that's pretty difficult to strike out a 30 percent whiff rate against a team that doesn't swing and miss a lot i think it was again i thought he looked really good we'll talk about the two mistakes that he made but i thought he was great in this one something that was interesting in this game he had six flyouts to just two groundouts for somebody who's a 57% ground ball pitcher. I don't know if that was a strategy deployed by the Mets that they knew that going in and were looking to try to get under some of his pitches and get some lift. I don't know if that was just an approach by them or something that Bryce Elder was doing differently, but I found that very curious that the balls the Mets did put in play. More of them were flyouts than ground ball outs, which is very curious, again, for somebody like Bryce Selder, who is a ground ball pitcher. And again, he really just made two mistakes in this game, and he made it to two of their most dangerous hitters. I know Francisco Lindor and really Pete Alonso don't have the highest averages in the world, but I think in this day and age, we know average isn't everything, but they are leading their team in home runs, and you cannot hang sliders right over the middle of the plate to those two guys and he did and they made him pay with a couple of two run homers but outside of those two pitches and obviously you want to get some of those walks back you don't like the walks but the Mets are going to take their fair share of walks you just can't follow it up with hanging sliders that lead to two run homers so other than that I thought this was another really good outing from Bryce Elder and I mentioned those two bad sliders that he threw to Lindor and to Pete Alonzo. But again, this slider is becoming not just a dominant pitch for Bryce Elder. It's becoming one of the more dominant pitches in all of baseball right now. It has a negative 12 run value, according to Baseball Savant. And that's really good. Being in the negative for runs scored is very good. It's just a great pitch for him. And even on this night, he threw 35 sliders they swung at 19 of them, they whiffed at 10 of them, and they took seven of them for strikes. That's almost a 50% called strike and whiff rate on a pitch that he threw 35 times. That is really, really good. So that is a dominant pitch for him, that slider. Unfortunately, made a couple mistakes with it, and when you do that, even with a pitch as good as it is and it doesn't slide like it's supposed to, then you can make mistakes and you can see the ball go out of the ballpark as it did. And that's part of the Mets strategy as well with all the pitches they make you throw. And he was racking up a lot of pitches early. It's really incredible that he was able to get through six innings. But they do that because they're waiting on you to make a mistake and then they're going to make you pay for it. And that's exactly what happened there in that inning. They forced Bryce Elder to throw a lot of pitches. He hung a couple of sliders. And again, they made him pay. But outside of that, I was highly encouraged by what I saw from Bryce Elder Moving to the offensive side of things, come back to bullpen in a minute because I want to talk about AJ Mentor. But let's move over to the offense because this to me was what we saw, a continuation of what we saw in Arizona. And hopefully, what we see, you know, for a long stretch here, hopefully throughout the rest of the season. But this to me is more of that Braves offense we're used to seeing. Yes, they struggled early with runners in scoring position. They had chances early and they blew them. But as I've been saying, especially you've been listening to the postcast of me and Grant McCauley, is when this offense is going, they're coming at you every single inning. And, yes, they're going to miss some opportunities here and there. They're going to struggle with runners in scoring position. They're going to hit in the double plays. They're going to strike out. But you give them enough chances over nine innings, and eventually somebody's going to run into one, or they're going to string some hits together, or the, de- the defense other team's going to make an error. And that's what we're seeing here lately. They just continue to come after after the other team. And you had the home run early from Al- Ozzy Albies, and that's great. We know this team can hit home runs, but what they were able to do in that big sixth inning you know, was really great and obviously proved huge in this game. But they did struggle early. You had first and third with one out in the first inning, hit into a double play. Double plays have been issues all year. Talk about that in a second. Two on, two outs for Murphy in the third, and he flew out on the first pitch. Talk about that more here in just a minute as well. Then he had a leadoff walk in the fifth, and then Acuna grounded into a double play. They did end up going four for 10 with runners in scoring position, so again, it got much better. But it just goes to what I'm talking about with this offense. Yes, they're going to frustrate you at times, but when they're going and where they're going like they have in these last three games, they're going to continue to get opportunities throughout the game, and you just got to know and believe that at some point, They're going to come through with that clutch hit and put a crooked number on the board. They have struggled a lot with double plays this year. They hit into two double plays, as I mentioned, in those first five innings of the game. They could have hit into two more if Eduardo Escobar doesn't bobble a ball that was hit to him by Matt Olson with Acuna on first base. That should have been a pretty easy double play. And then if they don't send Ozzy from first on a ball that Ozuna hits in the eighth inning, not only does it cost the Braves a run, it would have been their fourth potential fourth double play of the game. So double plays are an issue, have been an issue all season long. They're second behind the Marlins with the most double plays hit into this year. So that is a problem. I don't really know what you can do about it. I love the fact that they put Ozzy in motion there. I think if you have somebody with some speed on first base in that situation, you got to look to maybe run them a little bit more. Hidden runs just aren't going to work with this team because there's too much swing and miss in it. But Certainly, double plays have been a huge issue. Now, as I mentioned, though, this team, this offense right now, they keep coming at you. And this time, they broke through in the sixth inning. It started with a walk from Matt Olson, who just continues to take his walks. I know everybody doesn't love looking at that average, but the guy gets on base. He hits home runs. So he leads this rally with a walk. Austin Riley, who had some really good swings on Tuesday night. Had a double. Sean Murphy, who failed in his first two at-bats to come through with runners on base. This time he doesn't. He jumps on the first pitch again, but this time lines it into the gap for a two-RBI double to make it a four-to-three game. And then you saw some of the bad of the Braves' offense. You had Brunner on second, nobody else. Rosario gets in swing mode, swinging at everything, and ends up striking out at a fastball above his head, and he can't move the runner over to third base. Then Ozzy Albies pops up, and you're thinking, oh, no, are the Braves not going to capitalize here and at least tie this game up? And then Ozuna comes through with a big RBI double that tied up the game. He had a wild pitch that sent Ozuna to third, and then Orlando Arcia stings the ball up the middle off of Escobar's glove. Escobar kind of helped the Braves out a little bit in this one. So did uh, McNeil in left field as well with a, a play later in the game. But Arcia gets the big two-out RBI there to give the Braves the lead. So that was a good for the offense. Didn't want to just mention Michael Harris because he's obviously somebody we're keeping a close eye on right now. One of the wor- worst games I've seen from him over the last week or so, I've been talking about we've seen signs, but he looked completely lost until his very last swing of the game. Even in that at-bat, at bat, that last at-bat, he looked lost in that at-bat until he did sting a ball right at, at the left fielder. Just you know, continue with some of that bad batted ball luck he is starting to square some baseballs up the other way, but not able to find any grass out there. But just really up until that last swing, he looked completely lost at the plate. So hopefully that changes for him soon. And then the bullpen was just great. Big night for A.J. Minter. Got the eighth inning. Had a couple of tough lefties coming up and Snicker showed some confidence in him. I thought they would just go to Nick Anderson because that's been the 8th inning setup guy, but you did have some lefties coming up and Snicker showing trust in him and Mentor who's been better lately going to him there in that spot. I thought that was a huge development for this bullpen for cuz for this bullpen to be as good as they can be, you need AJ Mentor to be that dominant 7th, 8th inning guy to come out and get some, out some tough lefties at the top of another team's lineup. And he did. He threw a perfectly placed cutter to Tommy Pham to get a strikeout. He did get away with a couple of cutters. One he threw right down the middle to Landor, who took it for some reason. And then he threw another one to McNeil down the middle, and he just fouled it off. So still got to be very careful with that cutter. It cannot be in the strike zone. If you throw it how you threw it at Tommy Pham, down and into a righty out of the zone, that is perfect. And you can still get a lot of swings and misses there. But if it's in the zone, it's getting crushed right now so still need to continue to see him work on that but that fastball still plays up and it's really good iglesias with a stress-free ninth and then jesse chavez what can you say about the king at this point he just gets it done in that seventh inning a couple of other notes from this game hour and 40 minute rain delay for no rain really hate to see that hate it for the fans that were there because it was a pretty much sold out crowd on a tuesday night and then pete Alonso yelling at bryce elder you listened in the, the cold open i had on youtube Throw it again, please. Throw it again. Why in the world you would be yelling at Bryce Elder, who seems like one of the most genuine, nice people in the world? Even in a post game, when he's asked about it, you know his response was, you know, kind and as it can be. I, I don't know. Pete Alonso is an interesting character. I think we all kind of know that at this point. Look, he hits the baseball really hard. He hit a big two-run homer in this game, and he very nearly hit two other home runs. So the guy can hit the ball really hard. He's a dangerous hitter. He's just an interesting character, but now the Braves have a new tagline for the rest of the season, throw it again. Uh, and it just made this comeback win feel even better after hearing him yell at one of the nicest people on the field and Bryce Selder. I just, I don't get or understand why he's yelling at Bryce Selder there, but that was certainly an interesting moment in this game. Next. I want to turn our attention to two out runs. It's something The Braves did great last year. They're really struggling yet this year, but I think that's starting to come around. We saw that a little bit on Tuesday night, and I think that will help the Braves offense get going. We'll discuss that here next. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need for yourself. Plus, you have life changes going on, uh, whether it's, you know, New kids, like for me, about to have our third kid. You got somebody dealing uh, with sickness. There's always something going on in your life that you're having to expand your time, your your emotional resources, everything to give therapy a try. You have therapy, better help has tools to help balance your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself. Behind, it's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB. The Braves play the Mets again on Wednesday night at 7:20 p.m. Eastern. We'll see if the Braves can throw it again. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. This is our Wednesday Stat of the Day segment, and today we're going to focus on two-out RBI. And right now, that number is 84 for the Atlanta Braves, which ranks 26th in all of baseball. They have 84 two-out RBIs, something they've really struggled with this season and something we talked about, runners in scoring position a couple of weeks ago as well on this segment. I think it's really something that kind of evens out over the year, but it is something the Braves have struggled with. I do think that there is an approach to this for certain hitters that are just better with two-out situations, but overall, kind of like with runners in scoring position, I think it just comes down to batted ball luck and typically evens out over a season season. But right now, the Braves have not been great with two outs this season. They had 90 home runs last year. The Braves were first with 312 two-out RBIs. So, again, something that they were fantastic at last year. They had 90 home runs with two outs, which was most in baseball. These are all 2022 numbers. They had 472 hits last year with two outs, which was most in baseball, 103 doubles, which was second most, and 809 OPS, which was first. The next closest last year was St. Louis at 764. That's how good the Braves were in two-out situations last year. The Dodgers lead all of baseball this year with a 793 OPS with two outs. The Braves have a 635 OPS this year with two outs. That's 26th in baseball. Last year, they had a 261 average, which was third. Overall this year, 211, which is 27th. And last year, they had a 34.2% hard hit rate, which was second in baseball. They're second in baseball again this year with a higher hard hit rate at 36.2 with two outs, which is why I still believe it's going to even out over time. I know nobody wants to hear about the bad luck that the Braves have had with balls in play, but again, and I've even had some people tell me they don't want to hear about exit losses anymore. I'm sorry. That's the game we live in today. The harder you hit the ball, the more chances more opportunities you're going to have to get hits just hasn't been the case so far this year for the Braves in a lot of situations. 509 strikeouts last year was third most in baseball this year. They only have 107 strikeouts with two outs. That's 12th most in baseball. So strikeouts isn't really the issue. We know the Braves are going to strike out a lot. That's just the nature of the way they play the game, but that really hasn't been the reason why they haven't come through in two out situations or even with runners in scoring position You look at the stats with players with two outs. As you might imagine, Eddie Rosario leads the team with 12 two-out RBI this season. He comes up clutch. What's interesting there is that he's 11th on the team in batting average with two outs this year. So when he does get it done with two outs, it's usually in a big spot. Uh, It's really close at the top, though. Ozzy and Murphy each have 11 RBIs with two outs. Olsen and Acuna each have 10. Riley only has eight, and... This is something to to point out where you'll see with Riley as we go through some of these numbers. Uh, I mentioned Eddie Rosario tenth on the team, sorry tenth, not eleventh, with a one sixty nine average with two outs, but yet leads the team with twelve RBI's. That grand slam on Sunday certainly helped there. Von Grissom hit three hundred with two outs in his fourteen games, thirty two plate appearances this year. Ozzy is at two seventy three and Ronald at two sixty three, but everyone else on the team is hitting two twenty seven or lower with two outs this year. Looking at last year, a lot of people aren't going to like to hear this who are still upset the Braves didn't sign Dansby Swanson, but you know how clutch he was for the Braves. He led the team with two-out RBI last year with 45. Riley was second with 39. Olsen third with 36. Ozuna was actually fourth with 29. So as bad as the years Ozuna had last season, still came through with two outs, and he did it on Tuesday as well. Michael Harris led all regulars last year. With a 324 average with two outs. We need that Michael Harris to come back. Swanson was second at 310, Contreras third at 297, and Grissom fourth at 286. Three of those guys are no longer on the roster. Two of them are no longer in the organization. So those were four guys last year. And Michael Harris, who's struggling mightily this year, Dansby, who's no longer on the team, William Contreras, who's no longer on the team, and Grissom, who is not on the big league roster right now were four of your best hitters in two out situations last year. So you can see maybe why the Braves have lost a little bit of that this season. Riley's hitting just 246. Olsen hitting 242. Riley or Alby's hitting 235. Rosario uh, 239 last year. Sorry, those were last year's numbers. Riley 246. Olsen 242. Alby's 235. And Rosario 239. Ozuna and Arcea both came up with some big two-out RBIs on Tuesday, like I said, that tied the game and took the lead. You need more of that. And again, the Braves continue to make hard contact. I think it'll even out over the season. What's really crazy is that the Braves have been killed by two-out RBIs over the last week. Now, on the season, the Braves' pitching has actually given up the fewest runs with two outs. But in the last week, they've given up the second-most runs with two outs, 12 of the last 14 runs the Braves have allowed, have come with two outs, so that's highly frustrating. All four of the Mets runs on Tuesday came with two outs. All five of the runs on Sunday's games that the Diamondbacks scored came with two outs, and all three runs in last Friday's game against the Diamondbacks came with two outs, so I don't know if that's a trend. Hopefully not. Again, just like how things will even out on the hitting side. It'll probably even out a little bit on the pitching side as well, but just interesting that The Braves pitching staff has given up a lot of two-out runs here lately, so trouble putting guys away. But I do think for the offensive side of things, which is what we're primarily focused on, I do think that will turn things around here. You'll start seeing the Braves coming up with some more of those clutch hits like we saw on Tuesday night. All right, next, there were some more roster moves happening for the Atlanta Braves on Tuesday, including a pitcher that they acquired from the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll talk about that next. In the world we live in today, a lot of us are working from home, but also have to be on the go as well. Finding clothes that are comfortable and fit every occasion can be difficult. That's why I'm so glad we partner with Bird Dogs and they sent me a couple pairs of their shorts to try out and I absolutely love them. Not only are they great fitting and comfortable and versatile, you can go with them anywhere. I'm somebody, again, who does work from home, so I love being able to be comfortable at home, but not having to change clothes whenever I need to go out of the house to take the kids to the school or to the doctor or just to go have lunch with friends. So I love the fact that I can put on these bird dog shorts and they're comfortable and they look good so I can wear them in just about any occasion, whether, again, it's just working, working around the house or going out to the grocery store, whatever it may be, these bird dog shorts can fit any occasion and they're very, very comfortable to wear go to birddogs.com slash locked on mlb and enter the promo code locked on mlb for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on mlb for a free yeti style tumbler you won't won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you I can promise you because I hardly take mine off these days as well. The Braves made a couple more of transactional moves on Tuesday. They caught up Roderick Munoz. That was the move for uh, Michael Soroka being sent down. They also outrighted Lucas Litke to AAA. So he does clear uh, waivers, and the Braves are able to retain him. I know he hasn't been great, but you still get that left handed depth and somebody who's had success at the big league level. Michael Tonkin begins a rehab assignment. I would imagine he's probably going to replace Munoz, maybe as earliest this weekend on the roster uh, but good to see him coming back and then the Braves acquired right-handed pitcher Ben Heller from the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange, exchange for international pool money and optioned him to Gwinnett he had been DFA'd by Tampa Bay last Friday I believe so the Braves able to acquire him and add some more bullpen depth to the organization he hasn't pitched in the big league since 2020 and this year at AAA. 18 games, 27 and a third innings pitch, a 395 ERA, a 1.39 whip, and a 270 average against. Doesn't look great. 34 strikeouts in those 27 innings, only eight walks. So that does look great. He's hit nine batters. That doesn't look great. So I, I don't you know. Maybe they see something in Ben Heller, a little bit of upside here. I, it's not a huge deal. I'm not going to overreact about this. But now that we're back in the international game, I really hate to give up any kind of international pool money for somebody that may not be a factor here. But either way, the Braves, you know that they possibly need some help in the bullpen, so they're trying to get some guys to acquire that they think maybe have the potential to help out there. Nick Solak was DFA'd to make room. You know, I kind of liked Nick Solak, but they got Luke Williams earlier in the week as well, who's kind of the same type of player, can play everywhere. Uh, so I guess that was kind of redundant. So they got rid of Nick Solak added Ben Heller from the Tampa Bay Rays in that deal. They also, like I said, added Luke Williams earlier, called up Roderick Munoz, outrighted Lucas Litke, and Tonkin began a rehab assignment. So a lot of transactional news going on for the Braves this week. On Wednesday night, it'll be game two between the Mets and the Braves, and it'll be a great pitching matchup for some uh, older guys, 38, 39-year-olds, taking the bump for their respective teams, Max Scherzer and Charlie Morton. Scherzer may somewhat of a shaky start to the season, but he's been locked in over his last four starts, 25 and a third inning, 16 hits, four walks, just three earned runs, and 28 strikeouts, so he's looking more like that vintage Max Scherzer. Ray scored four runs against him in each of the last two times they faced him last season, so hopefully that continues. You know they're very familiar with, with him, that's also very familiar with Charlie Morton as well. I thought the last outing for Morton was one of his best of the season. Gave up a couple of soft singles in that first inning and then made a mistake to Lourdes Gurriel, who was on an absolute heater at the time. May still be, but uh, led to a couple runs there. But after that, he really locked it in. Only allowed one run the rest of the way and managed to get through seven innings. So for him, the key is, as always, avoid the walks and the long balls, as you saw with Bryce Elder. On Tuesday night, you cannot walk somebody and then leave a hanging curveball or, in Elder's instance, a slider over the plate to get crushed by either Lindor or Pete Alonso or Francisco Alvarez has big power for them as well. Can't make a mistake against those guys and let it lead to a multi-run inning. So those are the keys for Charlie Morton on Wednesday night. Hopefully the Braves can go ahead and get this series wrapped up with a series win and then go for the suite with Strider against Verlander on Thursday that should be a lot of fun. Again, the Braves and Mets play on a Wednesday night at 7.20 p.m. Eastern at Max Scherzer against Charlie Morton. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. Thank you so much to all my everydayers out there. If you are an everydayer, let me know down in the comments section below or let me know on Twitter as well, and you can do so at Locked On underscore Braves on Twitter, or you can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Locked On Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. and we will talk to you next time.